knowing that in life, what you put in comes back to you. So I'm going to water my garden every day and eventually it's going to bloom. And, and it did. And I think a lot of people, when they don't see the flowers budding right away, they think they're doing something wrong. They stop feeding their business and they, they try to find a solution to the problem. The problem doesn't really, it may not really be a problem. It may just be that is the journey. It takes time to gain momentum. The future of dentistry belongs to the innovators. Welcome to Innovation in Dentistry. I'm your host, Sean Zayas, and I believe that the future of dentistry is going to be unbelievably great over the next decade and two decades, but the question isn't that. The question is, are you gonna be part of what makes dentistry great? So here I am with the one and only Grace Rizza of Identity Dental Marketing. And to my surprise, she literally just told me she's been doing this for 15 years, um, which is just crazy. It, it does mean that, yes, both me and you are getting old, Grace. Um, you have been, I can't say a longtime friend. Maybe it's been three, four years. I'm super thankful for everything you've been doing in dentistry. Uh, I have massive admiration for you. And you're here because I view you as an innovator, but I want to know, like, why do you view yourself as an innovator? Um, because I've survived in this space and it, it takes innovation to survive and to grow over the course of 10, 15 years. Um, if, if I wasn't innovative, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't still be around in marketing. You, you really can't survive in marketing without innovation. I don't think you could have answered that better because you're right. Like if you don't adapt, if you're not agile. Um, so, so tell me, how does identity dental marketing look differently today than when you started it? Well, when I started, I had no clients. I had no team. It was just me. And, um, actually I had one client and, um, we've grown significantly in both service offerings and our methods. I'd say I, I'm constantly looking for new ways to do things. I'm constantly looking for new strategies, especially when it comes to, you know, ads and SEO, you, you really have to not just adapt to the changes around you, but you have to create the change. You have to constantly be, um, looking for better ways to do things or, um, I don't know, or it's just boring. I mean, I probably could just stagnate, but there's no fun in that. <laughs> I, I think that's awesome that you've somehow linked fun with the overcoming mindset that you have. So, so much about my emphasis on innovation is not a clinical or product emphasis. It is 100% what is it within somebody that allows them to have that uh, permission to actually like pioneer for them to believe, Hey, I can do something. I can create something. I can make dentistry great. And whether that's a dentist or whether that's someone like you, that's pioneering to help other dentists. Now, do you feel like that was always you? Like, as far as your mindset, like just growing up, like, how yes. did you arrive at becoming 
a dental marketer? I've always kind of been like this. I've, uh, from a really young age, there was a lot of change in my life. Um, uh, some, some hardship growing up led to a lot of moving. I went to seven, seven different schools in probably like a five-year span. And so I was constantly being kind of like thrust into a new environment with a new challenge with new people. And that made me uh, very comfortable with change. And so we could look at things as hardships or we could look at them as blessings and opportunities. And I have this like favorite, favorite quote of mine is that life is full of blessings and blessings in disguise. So it's, it's what we do with, with the hand that we're dealt and, and how we apply it. And so I think it's, it's kind of always been me. I, I also think entrepreneurs are born, not made. I think it's either in you and you're a certain way or, or, or you're not. Um, and so I would, I would credit the agility and the fun in change to both my perspective, my mindset, my faith, but also, um, circumstances of, of maybe my upbringing or my life. So tell me as a born entrepreneur, um, what aspects though of this chaotic space of launching a small business, um, being in an industry as crazy as dentistry, um, what aspect of that though, wasn't something you were equipped for? What aspect of uh, like, so wh wh where is it that maybe you still struggled or you still encountered failure or opposition or resistance, even though you have that natural born entrepreneurial mindset, I'm just saying, where was that still not enough for you? Um, or has it always been enough? I'm just saying, maybe you have, yeah. maybe you haven't had struggle. Well, no, I, I have struggle. Um, just like any other business owner. I think the difference is that I've, I've come to really love the struggle. And I know that sounds bizarre. It's like everyone has that, that friend or that person in their life that's in like really good shape because they love going to the gym and you look at them and you're like, how do you love that? Like I make myself do it, but I don't love it. Like the, the business challenges I love like a bodybuilder in the gym. I love flexing my brain. I love being, I, I've learned to love each new challenge because I relate it to a symbol of my next level of growth. So it's, it's kind of like, uh, when you're, when you're pregnant as a woman, I can make this analogy when you're pregnant, you don't, I didn't love being sick every day and having constant physical pain, every ounce of my body. Like it wasn't easy for me to be a, a pregnant woman. Um, but you know something good is going to come from that and you 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 hope and you hope that you get to meet your child and and that 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 labor had some um some positive impact on your life so i think it's all mindset i think it's 100% mindset that when you're in it and it's really really challenging and you're facing a new obstacle and i'd be happy to talk about whatever obstacle you want to talk about cuz I faced them, them all. Um, but it's, it's how you perceive that. Do you see it as a growing pain or do you just see it as a pain? And if you see it as a growing pain, then you can channel that into 
um, something great. What was that? You could channel it into something great. So I think it's crazy that like that is literally one of the mindsets I've identified as like the people at the best of their field. Um, when I think like, I don't think it's a surprise to anybody. Maybe they know this and if they don't, they're going to, I have been a massive fan of Tom Brady, um, most of my adult life. And it's not necessarily because of the team he played for or the success he's had, but more the mindset of how has he been so consistent? How has he, like his commitment to excellence? And one of the things, Grace, you may not know this about him, is that all the areas that other, um, other quarterbacks end up getting burnt out with because of watching film, um, practice in the offseason, um, all these things that eventually they just like get burnt out with. He found a way to love. He's like, if I can, if I can change my mindset and actually derive enjoyment out of the things that become repulsive to other quarterbacks, which eventually they then they out, they weigh, okay, should I play another season? Because I don't like the rehabbing myself when I'm super exhausted. Film's getting boring. This is getting tough. And then all of a sudden, at some point, the case against not playing is bigger than the case for playing. And that's how he was able to push the boundaries um, of what a quarterback could do and play like five years beyond the norm and have such crazy achievement is because he found a way to almost find joy, delight, fun in the midst of struggle. So the fact that you arrived at that craze, like that, that to me is one of the signals of some of the greatest achievers that I've ever come to dis to research. Um, I, I'm not there yet. So there's still parts of the grind, parts of the struggle that I find myself like, why does this exist? <laughs> like, uh, man. Yeah. I think, I think we all have the same struggles in business. I think it's getting the right people, getting the right processes making sure you're passionate about your product or solution that you provide and that you stay passionate about it. Um, and of course, when I say people, it's twofold. It's both having the right team um, and it's also having the right customers or clients or patients um, in your business. So the right people to serve. And I, I would say the hardest part is learning to let go of the people that are not a perfect fit for your joy, the people who, whether it's their intention or not, if it's not a fit, that's going to rob your attention. It's going to steal your joy. And so in order to say yes to some things, you have to be able to say no to other things. And you have to learn to overcome things like people pleasing. And you have to learn to overcome things like um, obsessing about what people think and being accepted and, and you have to have extreme focus. Um, because as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, we're creatives too. So we have new ideas all the time and it's using discernment to pick the right things to pursue and focus on so that you're not just a, a scattered mess of an existence, you know? Okay. I feel like you are, um, this is this guys this turned into a coaching session and grace is just really <laughs> helping me overcome uh distraction now you have such a resilience in you grace um that i just want to acknowledge um 
one of the people I recently interviewed uh, after the interview was over was like, wow, Sean, you're really good at flattery. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, like, let me, <laughs> let me correct that. I, I honor, and it's because I had a brother and sister that were twins, 13 months older than me, that were just great at everything, like literally great at everything. And I became such, I became such a fan of who they were and their greatness and celebrated it. And my parents did such a good job of still making me feel special that I know I have no problem like celebrating people's strengths. And you have so much strength as an entrepreneur, as a marketer, as a leader, as a pioneer, um, to just keep, you keep going. You keep uh, iterating, innovating, um, adding value. You're leading on, on social media. Um, you, you care about the practices that you, you serve. Um, in what way, like if we just talk about innovation as like maybe the evolution of a, of a field um, or, or the way it helps a, a field or an industry evolve, in what way either in the last five years or in the upcoming five years do you think innovation is going to play a role on marketing, let's say in dentistry? Um, well, marketing is moving at a ridiculous pace right now. It With all of the changes in AI, all of the tools available, it's, it is hard to still stay focused and to trust what you've built. It's hard to not burn it down and rebuild it every day, but that would keep you in a state of, of overthinking and it would, it would make you a, not a great leader. And so again, it, it kind of comes down to that discernment of what is the priority? What do you need to keep your clients ahead? What do you need to keep them doing something different so that they can um, reap the rewards of that innovation. And so, I mean, it's overwhelming to think about the innovation in marketing because you, you, you can't possibly keep up with every single tool and every opportunity that, that comes across your plate, but you've got to go, okay, here's the area where we're going to pivot. Here's the area where we're going to grow. And then we're going to grow in this way. And then we're going to grow in that way. So it's, um, never a lack of ideas. It's always a matter of implementation and how quickly can we, can we implement? And you, you get slowed down when you have too many people making decisions. And so if you are a people pleaser and you have a team and you're like, okay, guys, what do you all think of this thing? That conversation could go on for a year. Um, so identifying the people who are going to be in that, in that group with you and give you feedback and identifying your leaders and staying nimble. Like even as your business grows, being able to shift gears when you need to shift gears or shift, shift attention and focus when you need to is important, but without losing sight of the big picture. So staying the course while you're staying nimble. And I know those things sound super contradictory. Um, but people that are in it, I think, can relate. Okay, so dentists are the primary audience that, that listen to the show. And if you're a dentist out there and you know you need to align yourself with an agency, um, you've, you've interacted with so many different dentists you know, over the years. Um, what what um, either mindsets or beliefs do you feel like often limit 
or hold back a dentist um, because of what they don't know? Um, like, in what ways do you feel like they could level up so it would help that partnership with a marketing agency more? Probably the best question I've ever been asked. So thank you. Um, in marketing, the biggest limiting belief is that direct lead to conversion is the only thing that matters. If I spend X, I get Y. This mindset that marketing works in a straight line, this mindset that everything is lead generation, that is leaving 80% of what's so beautiful about marketing on the table. You're leaving it on the table. And um, we're like stepping over a dollar to pick up a penny um, when we do that because we don't really understand how marketing works. And we're so concerned with not getting burned that we never learn to overcome that. Um, I, I call it kind of like an, I don't want to offend anybody, but it's kind of like an immature marketing mindset. It's, it's appropriate for a startup business, but as your business grows, your marketing mindset should shift from survival mode to thriving and thriving happens when you establish, um, brand recognition in your community. So I, I'll often say to people, well, does everyone in your town know that you're an option? And there's like this long pause and it's like, well, no, not at all. Well, that's because you've completely neglected brand building and long-term marketing strategies for the short-term because that's more tangible to you. So it's kind of like you have to see value in the input. And this is what I always had to tell myself just to put one foot in front of the other as I was really in the infancy, infancy stages of my business is I had to imagine that Everything, I've got this like fictitious bank account, right? And every time I make a video, I record a podcast, I do an e-blast, I work on my SEO, I run an ad, anything that I do, I, I speak at an event, I'm just putting deposits into that bank account. And I had to realize that I'm not going to be able to make any withdrawals anytime soon because I realize that's not how business works. You put in, put in, put in, put in, put in, put in. And then eventually it all comes back and hopefully in tenfold. If you're, if you're authentic with your message and you, you back up what, what you're promising, it will all come back to you. So that idea just came to me very early in my career. I'm not going to worry about what comes back right now. I'm just going to feed it. I'm just going to feed the business. I'm going to feed the machine. I'm going to feed this pretend bank account knowing that in life, what you put in comes back to you. So I'm going to water my garden every day and eventually it's going to bloom. And, and it did. And I think a lot of people, when they don't see the flowers budding right away, they think they're doing something wrong. They stop feeding their business and they, they try to find a solution to the problem. The problem doesn't really it may not really be a problem. It may just be that is the journey. It takes time to gain momentum. And so there's a place and time to pivot. There's a place and time to innovate, but you've got to stay the course. Okay. That was amazing. Uh, so when in your experience does eventually happen, um, like, like let's just give a range. So best case scenario, eventually for a dental practice could be X. And worst case scenario, 
eventually for a dental practice? Cause, cause you were saying, so keep going until eventually there's like that payback. And I'm sure that dentist is like, Ooh, eventually like is eventually going to cost me six months of sewing or 18 months. <laughs> so it depends. You have two resources in life for your business. You have time and you have money. And if you don't have one, you better have the other. If you put neither into your business, you're not going to go anywhere. So if you do have deep pockets or you have someone who's funding your business or you have uh, a lot of uh, ability to take risk, then you can take out a loan and you can speed up your garden by buying the best fertilizer and by maybe having a larger space to grow your garden, right? So you're either going to take a, a, a time investment or a financial investment. And the higher those are, the better. So if I were to say what's realistic for a dental practice, I would say in your market, it's also going to depend. So if you moved into a space where there's a very high demand for dentistry because it's an underserved market, don't go bragging to your friends on social media that are in a super saturated market. They're playing a totally different game. They're growing a very different type of plant than you, and they're going to have different expectations. So um, I'll be bold and say, and give an average just to give a real answer. Cause I feel like I'm, I'm talking over all of your questions. Um, but, but it's going to vary significantly based on how much money and how much time you have to put into your garden. So I would say most practices are comfortable around the year mark, around the one year mark, um, anywhere from one to three years. If you're at the three-year mark and you're still like not paying yourself, you're not doing it right, you need help. Um, even if you're really against taking risk, you're really uncomfortable with, with risk, you need someone to help push you over that, that threshold to where you can have a viable business. Um, if you expect to be at complete capacity six months from opening your doors, you better have deep pockets. You better have some money to throw at this. I'm, I'm talking a lot of money to throw at this. So it really just, it really, really depends. But you should be able to talk to a marketer, talk about your location, talk about your comfort level with investing and be honest about it. So many people are like, yeah, I'm going to run this big campaign. I'm going to run it before my doors are even open. I'm going to have this big demand. 99% of them want to turn off all of their ads the day they open the door because they don't have cash flow yet. So they chicken out, they talk the talk, and then they get to the starting line of the race and they run away. Uh, they, they run in the opposite direction. So you've got to know what it actually takes and be ready to step up to the plate when, when it's your turn. And that's where people kind of chicken out and then they fall back on, I'm going to do community marketing. I'm going to go network. I'm like, call me in six months, like when reality sets in, I'll still be here for you. But I had to learn that lesson and I didn't know this stuff before I was in business. And so I don't expect, I don't expect the dentist to not also have to learn it the hard way just a little bit. Okay. So you, again, this is like a master class because you're dropping so many valuable nuggets. Um, the idea of time and money and the way that they relate to each other. I literally drew it up the other day by the other day. I mean, like three years ago, um, <laughs> 
to to my dad not that he didn't understand it it was just that this was my reference to try to like i don't want to say sell him but convince him of something so i drew a graph um and i had time and money intersecting like this and i was like dad um if we sacrifice money and and something costs a little bit to do it's going to take a ton of time to do it right we're bootstrapping you know like in the past i built all the racks in our warehouse <laughs> because we didn't have a lot of money and the the small business mindset is bootstrap hustle and again you end up taking lots of time to do something but you are saving money and then let's contrast that with the startup mentality the startup mentality is i spend a ton of money on something and why because I'm, I'm uh, lessening or the, the, the period of where I can implement, learn, like my time gets shortened by 10x. Um, and it really is just like, maybe there's a medium place that people want to be where there's a little bit less risk. Um, but it is a fallacy to believe that you can invest little and also have a, like a small time <laughs> to where all of a sudden you're going to get the breakthrough or you're going to get the output that you're looking for. It, it doesn't work that way. Um, so, wow, that, that, that's, that is interesting because I guess I never thought of that in terms of that's what a dentist is up against when they think of how much they want to invest in growing their practice in marketing their practice. And if they're going to be stingy, it just pushes out the eventually into maybe like you said, two or three years. Yeah. And it's tough too, because if you have this bunch of money and you have this set, this finite amount, very few people have an infinite amount of money to invest. So whatever it is, it's finite and you throw it all in on something and it's not your best investment or it's a bit of a ripoff. It could, it could compromise your whole dream. It could compromise your whole initiative. And so making that decision is is really important. And that's kind of why I kind of steer people away from really long-term contracts with marketing too, because if something isn't working, you need to have the opportunity to pivot, but you shouldn't pivot, 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 like start, launch, stop, stop, start, start, stop, start, stop. And I see a lot of people doing that too. They don't, they don't give it enough budget. They don't give it enough time to work and they have nothing to compare it to. That's the hardest part about business. Once you do it one time, you can do it again if you want. Second practice, third practice, way easier to build than your first maybe startup. Um, it's also easier if you acquire a practice. And I know that the startup is all the craze right now and it's hard to get your hands on the right practice. But um, when you have cash flow, it's a lot easier to invest than when you're doing a hard start. So in the dental space, it's nice that people have that, that option. Um, yeah, it's a fun journey. Well, so one of the the business models that I've seen continue to emerge and really take off, um, obviously like 10 years ago, you know, DSOs really started getting momentum. Um, but now I feel like it's also just this idea of like the small DSO or the small group practice um, versus just the solo practice. Now with with that kind of on the rise, is it easier for you to work with a small group practice just because they have more of a business hat on? Um, maybe they even have like a CMO that's managing five or 10 practices. Um, like, would that be an ideal client to you? Or do you still end up kind of working more with the solo practices? 
Um, I work, I've worked with both, um, quite a few of both, and I wouldn't say one is any easier than the other. It really has to do with psychographics more than demographics. And I think in business, we forget to stop and think about how does our ideal client think and who are we going to connect with? What do they value? And so you could be a practice with five or 10 locations. And if we think similarly and we value similar things, we're going to have a great lasting relationship. Um, if what I, what I've seen, unfortunately, Sean, I'm just going to be really honest with you is the people who are interested at, um, scaling as quickly as possible and becoming a DSO as quickly as possible. If money is at the heart of why they're doing that. And a lot of times it is, um, they're less focused on patient experience, patient care, employee retention, employee benefits, and even how they treat their supporting advisors. And so I've been abused by a lot of business-minded doctors because they want to go in, get the strategy, and then save a buck because money is their god, money is their king. And I don't work well with people like that. I don't like people like that. I don't like marketing people like that because if that is your compass, if your compass is not doing right by God, then your compass is broken. And I, I don't want to market someone who works for money. I want to market people who work for God because then I feel like I'm somewhat responsible for driving patients to that practice. And do they really need that crown? Do they really need that crown? So I think the, the DSO market is all the rage and everybody is, uh, all the marketing companies are, are pivoting fast so that they can be uh, really appreciated by this space that's just exploding. And I've kind of done the opposite. I've kind of said, you know what, if you're a good person, I'll work with you and let's Let's work to help you stand out and we'll try some things. And if they work, we'll do more of them because there's always this, um, in marketing, it's not an exact science. You have to test a message and then you have to do more of what is working and you have to be creative in this process. And so I really enjoy the process and I really enjoy working for people who are appreciative, loving hardworking people. And so for me, it's far less about, about the demos, more about the psychographics. So I, I love something you said, and I think it bears repeating and kind of just framing it even in a different light. Uh, and it's super helpful for dentists to understand. And that is like, even as an expert, you know, marketing, you have tons of experience, but you also understand marketing means you're interacting with the marketplace. Um, and to me, the marketplace is ever changing depending on, again, the neighborhood, um, the demographics, the psychographics, like you said, um, you know, are you in Austin, Texas, or are you in, you know, some small place in Wyoming? Um, you know, and I always say like true knowledge and true learning doesn't take place in the boardroom. It actually takes place once you've launched and sent something into the marketplace where you can actually then see. Like you said, does this messaging resonate? Does, does this get any sort of engagement? And then you try to figure out as fast as you can how to um, pivot, how to reiterate. And I feel like it's the wrong perspective um, yep. or the, maybe the wrong expectation for a dentist to be like, okay, no, these experts 
it's almost like some turnkey solution that automatically will drive results. And this first campaign, this first ad is going to do this, this, and this. And it's like, it doesn't work that way. We're vying for people's attention. Um, that's always changing. We have to figure out how to dial it in. Um, and I just feel like that perspective of like, they just need to realize it, it takes time to scientifically figure out what's actually going to resonate. And, and I care a lot less about what is going to get reactions and resonate. And I care a lot more about being truthful um, to who you are. When I see marketing companies trying to put out messages that get the most hits and clicks, I'm going, oh, have fun with those patients. You're going to love it. The one that comes in off of the $1 coupon who's never going to come to you again and is going to threaten you and leave you a bad review. But if you put out a message that's true to your core values, true to your skills and expertise and training, and you market your true benefits, you're going to connect with the right patient base for your practice. You're going to have more joy. Again, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. And you're, you're ultimately going to be able to enjoy the journey, which is going to make you resilient. And that is at the core of success in business. It's all connected. So, so what would you like to bring eyeballs and attention to right now? Is there something you're working on? Is there uh, an event you're hosting? Uh, is it your podcast or is it just simply the bread and butter difference that you make in helping practices that are aligned with you just grow? Like what is it you want to bring attention to? Um, I would just encourage people who have, had bad marketing experiences to slow down and to learn and to ask the question, whether it's of me or whether it's of a different marketer, ask the question, what should I expect from this initiative? Too many people come in and say, we need social media marketing. And I'm like, why? What are you trying to accomplish with that? Well, we just, everyone says we need it. So we need it. Well, what, what do you, well, let's connect the dots here from the initiative to the expectation, make sure they're realistic and boom, all of a sudden you'll start seeing things as successful because you'll have realistic expectations for them. And so get away from those sales conversations and start having educational conversations about marketing. So tell me about the vision you see, and this can either be for you personally identity dental marketing, or just dentistry. We're talking the next three years, five years, 10 years, anything about the vision you see that you want to share. I see a division in dentistry happening right now. And it's very obvious if you just step back and think about it. You have very rapid conglomeration happening. You have a lot of, you know, mergers, um, acquisitions, it's, it's a hot market. I don't see that slowing down. I see um, the privately owned practice going more patient experience focused, going more um, quality and relationship based. And then I see this other camp of let's try to be everything to everyone. Let's accept every insurance. Let's run a volume practice. And I'm not saying one is wrong. They both serve a different type of patient and different needs. Um, but I see less room for the middle ground. I see less room for the, 
uh, privately owned PPO trying to compete, you've got to kind of pick one. Are you, are you going to be on this side or are you going to be more volume? Are you going to be more private practice experience? And so I see the divide happening at a quicker rate and I see a stronger need for dentists to choose their brand instead of just kind of letting their reputation happen to them based on whatever circumstances they have. So I would encourage people to get very intentional about their brand positioning, the problem that they solve, and, and who they truly are in the market. Okay. So you said you've been at this for 15 years. So let's go back to 2008. And if Grace Rizza of today could talk to Grace Rizza of 2008 and leave one primary sentiment, one primary, like, Grace, this is what I would say to you based off of what I've learned for 15 years. What would that conversation look like? What would you, what would you say? You're going to make me cry. I don't even want to say it out loud. I would say, take, take my honeymoon. I would say, make time for life. Because business is fun, but you don't get those moments back. Grace, that's intense. That is so beautiful. Wow. Um, yeah, time time flies. So I I love just how centered that is on what really matters. Um, I talk with friends often about how so many people that have drive, have ambition, it's like they're climbing a mountain. But oftentimes people find themselves on the top of a mountain and either find out it's the wrong one or there's no one around them to enjoy it. There's no fulfillment because if we're not with the people we love and if we're not slowing down to just experience the beauty in life, like I love that you are so successful. You have an amazing business and yet you're like, I, I just, I needed to. I never took my honeymoon. I never took oh my, my honeymoon. Gosh. I worked on my honeymoon because I had an opportunity I, I couldn't pass up and now we're, 10 years married, kids, you never get that moment back. So when I, I've got employees that are engaged that are getting married and I'm like, you're taking your honeymoon. Like you're taking an extended leave. You're, you're going to enjoy that moment because I care about you and I don't want you to make the mistakes that I made. So I would say like when you put people first, when you truly serve your employees and your clients it'll all come back to you, but you also have to be able to set boundaries. You have to set limitations. Yes, work matters. You've got to work hard. Um, but that hustle culture, it'll take you places, but you've got to learn to, to um, pump the brakes sometimes and enjoy where you're at. So this has been such a treat. Where can someone find out? They want to hire you as a speaker. They want you to consult or they just want to hire you so that you can take their marketing to the next level. How do they connect with you? I currently offer complimentary marketing planning sessions and they can book that at identitydental.com. Grace, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me on this. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening and be sure to follow so you never miss an episode. To learn more about what's going on in dentistry, check out innovationindentistry.com.